I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end It's Thursday, October 13th, 2022, the 631st day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. You'll be supporting me and the work I do and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you don't want to, continue listening to it for free on a variety of platforms. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. So I'm glad everybody enjoyed the episode yesterday. It was, of course, a fun one for me to record, as most of them are. But every now and then, we get to have some extra fun. And yesterday was that. And I do want to be absolutely clear because I may not have been quite explicit enough yesterday. I would absolutely love if every child-brained communist in existence woke up to reality and decided to rejoin the project of America. And I would welcome them all to the extent that they're willing to fully account for the fact that they weren't just a little wrong and they weren't just brainwashed. 
They actively participated in what's happening. And to the extent that they seek forgiveness, I am more than happy to forgive them. But they have a lot of making up to do. They kind of have to get started doing whatever they can to reverse this whole situation. They need to get on board in an active way. And I welcome them to do that. I would welcome them with open arms. My friends, people who didn't actually treat me terribly and just kind of let our relationships go away, didn't stick up for me at all when I was being attacked, didn't listen, didn't have a conversation, didn't do any of that. I'm totally happy to be here for them when they need it. I'll take their phone calls. I'll have the conversations with them. I'll hear them out. I'll try to steer them in a better direction. Now, if you actively participated as my former friend in trying to destroy me, well, that's a different story. But for everyone else, and including strangers, by the way, I'm more than happy to welcome them in to the America First movement. Not that I'm the gatekeeper or anything, but I just want to be clear that I'm not saying we should absolutely dismiss all of these people. I'm saying that we don't need to prioritize unifying with them over advancing our own principles. We don't need to do them favors now. We don't need to woo them back by giving them treats. The place to unify is around principles. And when they understand that they've been wrong about all this stuff and it's led them to terrible intellectual and moral conclusions, and it has led them to treat people terribly in their own lives, in their communities, in the country, the things they've said, the things that they've promoted, the things they've participated in, the things they've done. There's a cost there. We don't need to begin making concessions just so they'll stop being terrible. They're basically children, and that would be bad parenting. The proper response is silence, communist. We'll take it from here. And anybody who's listened to this show for a long time knows this about me. The entire show in 2021 was basically devoted to speaking to a group of people that I call redeemable communists. The people who are doing this as just thoughtless drones. They're doing it because they think it's the right thing. They think it makes them look like good people. And they think actually that they are being good people by supporting all of this stuff. And that's the price you pay for your ignorance. But I would love for them to be back on our side and I would welcome them back on our side. But in order to do that, they do need to unify with us around America first principles. We don't have to agree with everything, as I mentioned yesterday, but they do have to unify with us. We're not giving them concessions and we're especially not plucking one of them out who decides to leave the Democrat Party four weeks before the ship completely sinks and then promoting her to Trump's running mate. That's preposterous. Now, I've mentioned the last couple of days that I think there's actually something else going on here with Tulsi Gabbard's leaving the Democrat Party and talking about the globalists and the warmongers and how they lie and how they make everything about race. All of that is good and true, and I'm happy she's saying it, but that doesn't make her MAGA. That makes her a normal person with some perspective on the world. 
And she's years behind in that perspective as it is. The point is that there's just no reason to see all of this as real and assume that she is automatically on our side. There is something else going on. Now, I woke up this morning and this story was everywhere in my feed. People were really excited because AOC, for some reason, was just out there doing a sparsely attended town hall. She was speaking in a pretty large auditorium, looked like it could probably hold 600 or 700 people. And there was virtually no one there. But two people in the audience stood up to castigate AOC to her face about her support for the war in Ukraine. Congresswoman, none of this matters unless there's a nuclear war, which you voted to send arms and weapons to Ukraine. Tulsi Gabbard, she's left the Democratic Party because there are bunch of war hawks, okay? You originally voted, you ran as an outsider, yet you've been voting to start this war in Ukraine. You're voting to start a thermal nuclear war with Russia and China. Why are you playing with the lives of American citizens? You're playing with our lives. There will be no neighbors if there's a nuclear bomb. You voted to mobilize and send money to Ukrainian Nazis. You're a coward. You're a progressive socialist. Where are you against the war mobilization? He's telling the right truth. You have done nothing. Tulsi Gabbard has shown guts where you've shown cowardice. I believed in you, and you became the very thing you sought to fight against. That's what you've become. You are the establishment and you are the reason why everybody will end up in a nuclear war unless you choose to stand up right now and denounce the Democratic Party. Will you do that? Yes or no? Okay, simple. Are you going to stop nuclear war? Yes or no? There is no line because this is bullshit. None of this matters if we're all dead. None of it. You know that. Then let's take it up right now because this is the only thing that matters. This is the only thing that matters right now. We could be in a nuclear war at any minute and you continue to fund it. That's what's going on. Why not right now? You're the liar here. Nobody has held you accountable. That's what's happening. And it is time for you to stand up and realize that what you've been saying has been lies. Let your conscience come through for once. So there we have it. Either some progressive socialist anti-war citizens, activists, what do we call them, are very, very upset or this entire thing was staged. And I know, I know, you can't say that. That's a conspiracy theory. Those are baseless claims. You're being irresponsible. How could you call this staged? AOC is so bad. She's finally getting what she deserves. I know, I know. There's no reason whatsoever to believe that staged. It could just be activists going against their nature and attacking someone on the left with a huge profile. And during both of 
those men's attack on their political ally with a huge profile in a sparsely populated medium size auditorium. They both just happen to mention Tulsi Gabbard. They are inspired to go after AOC after witnessing the bravery of Tulsi Gabbard. So what is the effect of this event? Well, it makes for decent content. I'm not sure any AOC fans are going to be swayed by this. AOC certainly isn't going to end the Ukraine war effort. I mean, let's give AOC just a a little benefit of the doubt, just for one second. Maybe if she came out strongly anti-war in Ukraine and said the whole thing was corrupt and a lie and she can prove it and she's going to put her reputation on the line to do so, I'd be like, wow, this is not the AOC I thought I knew. But barring that extraordinarily unlikely outcome, the only person who benefits from this little outburst is Tulsi Gabbard. She comes out looking like the person who is in an important way, totally separate now from the Democrat movement. Democrats themselves are siding with Tulsi Gabbard over the position of the Democrat establishment. Even progressive socialist activists are siding with the Tulsi Gabbard position because they are anti-war in a very principled way. Tulsi Gabbard is our new hero since yesterday. And will you or will you not join her? Will you renounce the Democratic Party? Will you renounce the war in Ukraine? Because we're going to have a nuclear war. This is the only thing that matters right now. But wait a second, Kami, you also told us that climate change was the only thing that matters right now. And that turned out to be total bullshit, too. So does this help Democrats? Obviously not. Does this help Republicans? No. Establishment Republicans are supporting the war in Ukraine. America first Republicans would maybe make the argument that this will red pill some people, which is always the argument for getting excited about the little bits and pieces, the little crumbs we get tossed. Oh, it might red pill some people who are still sleeping. It's necessary. It's good. We should be cheering this on. Hey, maybe do your own thing. You know, does this harm the establishment war effort? Not really. This narrative is pretty out there by now. And even some leftists are finally beginning to pick up on it. I was in Los Angeles six weeks ago and people there had pretty much moved on from the whole Ukraine thing. Ukraine as an issue basically exists for the people in the actual conflict, of course, but otherwise it basically exists for Blue Anon Twitter and all of the little bots that support the narrative. Being back on Twitter a bit, if I say anything that makes it seem like I'm on the very dangerous side, I immediately start receiving replies that are just all Ukraine flags or pictures of Shiba Inus that I am supposed to take as what? I'm dumb? Okay. But the bot armies are out in force. Now, what this could do 
is give AOC a way to exit the Democrat Party while seeming like AOC has very, very strong principles. And if that happens, it's going to be big news because this is the sort of thing the mainstream absolutely loves. All normie Republicans will go head over heels thinking that AOC is their new friend. They now have two of their prettiest enemies on the side, or at least neutral. And if they're neutral, that means maybe they can be ours. Maybe one day we'll actually have that kiss with AOC or Tulsi that we've always dreamed of. Maybe they can both kiss us at the same time. Ooh, the fantasies. So AOC would get a way out that would look morally justified. It would look principled. She's not just jumping off the obviously sinking ship. She's doing it for very important moral reasons. It just took her till now to figure all of them out. The last two years, much longer than that, truthfully, that she's supported the entire agenda of the illegitimate president. Well, that's just all washed away. She heard the truth about Ukraine and it felt so true that she was compelled to act. She got back to her progressive socialist roots, her anti-war roots, and she knew everything was wrong. She knew the Democrat Party wasn't a place for her. So it's good for Tulsi and it's good for AOC, but it'll have absolutely no effect on what happens in Ukraine. And it will have either a vanishingly insignificant positive effect for MAGA or no effect for MAGA at all. But it's great for Tulsi and it could potentially be great for AOC. And so let's Take a broader look at the lay of the land. Andrew Yang, one of the Democrat primary presidential candidates in the last cycle, has left the Democrat Party at the beginning of the month. Still has his little blue baseball cap emoji in his name on Twitter. And he's still supporting some Democrats, but only only the centrist ones. And he's got a new party, the forward party. We've got Tulsi out of the party and we got AOC maybe ready to come out. If she does that, that would be three national Democrat Communist Party figures in the last two weeks to abandon the Democrat Party. That would indicate some sort of movement away from the Democrat Party. Not in any way that makes practical difference, just words, but they're moving away from the Democrat Party. Andrew Yang is supporting. Democrat Communist Party candidates like Mark Kelly and Uniparty Communist members of the Republican Party or formerly of the Republican Party, like Evan McMullen and Lisa Murkowski. And those candidates are officially endorsed by Andrew Yang's very real forward party. So we've got Murkowski, McMullen, Mark Kelly, Andrew Yang, Tulsi Gabbard and AOC. All understanding or beginning to understand in AOC's case that the Democrat brand is not going to work for them and they're never going to be accepted in MAGA or the America First movement, which is the dominant political movement in the country. So what do they have left? 
Well, they can create this brand new entity. They're going to come out and say, we are done with the ways of the past. We don't need the Nancy Pelosi's and Chuck Schumer's and Mitch McConnell's directing where this country goes because they can't speak to the people. Not like we young centrists can with all our energy. And of course, Lisa Murkowski doesn't exactly count as young in any way, but she certainly does count as politically homeless in need of a place to rest her weary head. And Mitt Romney's going to want that. And Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema might want that. Maybe Cory Booker will even want that. Oh, what a boon that will be. The next rising star. Liz Cheney is politically homeless. The media is still talking about Liz Cheney somehow running for president in 2024. And it's certainly not going to be on the Republican ticket. That would be absolutely pointless. And she knows that. And the media knows that. So why are they continuing to support Liz Cheney as some dark horse presidential candidate? That's not possible in the current political landscape. But it could be possible if people like Liz Cheney and Tulsi Gabbard and AOC and Andrew Yang and Mark Kelly and Evan McMuffin all come together to unify all the very, very serious centrist intellectuals would be like, this is exactly what the country needs. The two sides are finally coming together because they have absolutely no idea what the two sides actually are. The two sides are not Democrat and Republican. Doesn't matter if there's a little D next to their name. Doesn't matter if there's a little R next to their name. The two sides are global communist and sovereign nationalist. And that's it. Now, global communism has become untenable. That's why people can't stand the Democrats, because they properly hold the Democrats responsible for ushering in global communism. And most people see MAGA as the obvious alternative to that. But not everyone. A lot of people see establishment Republicans as the alternative because the establishment Republicans, their number one priority right now is making all of those imaginary centrists feel comfortable. So you get the middle. You have to create a new brand because the old brand doesn't work and its opposite is never going to accept us. And no one would ever believe it. And into this new little trash bin, you could throw someone like Adam Kinzinger or Pete Meyer, who lost in Michigan to John Gibbs or any of the various candidates who got smoked by MAGA in the primaries, people who voted for Donald Trump's impeachment. All of the never Trump crowd could fit right in that terrible little trash bin. And so could any Democrat communist who's able to attempt at least unsoil themselves from the stain of being part of the Democrat Communist Party. Now, you might think that I'm really overthinking this. But let's see what the future holds, because after the November 8 midterms that Republicans will absolutely dominate so long as the election fraud cannot override that domination, we will be moving into an entirely different phase of all this. It will no longer be directed at 
congressional Democrats and senators pushing their policies as we try to point out to the country how awful all of this is. We're going to see the revenge of the rhinos. We're going to see the empire striking back. The uniparty globalists will no longer have the luxury of hiding behind the D and the R. They will need to announce themselves and show themselves. We're going to see a big push to have Republicans disavowing the new MAGA influence. They're not going to be able to get on board with MAGA policies. They're going to need to try to stop investigations. They're going to need to try to stop any accountability because, of course, everyone in the Uniparty must be held accountable. That's what they want to avoid. The Democrat Party's goose is fully cooked. That party's not going to exist anymore. So they need something to replace it. And I would suggest to you that we are seeing their plan to replace it moving forward in real time before our eyes. And it's important that we don't ignore this possibility because if we get lazy and think, oh, great, Republicans won and all of these people are fleeing the Democrat Party, ha ha, we've conquered them, we've won, then we're going to miss what this next stage is about. There are plenty of Republicans who need to go down and they will go down. So long as we don't prepare for them a perfect little golden parachute where they can just land safely in the forward party where they unite with global communists from both sides into this new political entity. I think people need to understand the stakes of what's happening for the global communists. The Trump term was bad enough for them. He ruined so many of their plans. And because he did that, their plans are even more unsuccessful than they would have been otherwise to the point now where everyone is actually able to see it with their own eyes, even if they're not paying all that much attention to politics. Another term of Trump would be the end for them. And they're staring that right in the face. That's at least part of why they tried to impeach him after he already wasn't president, right? Remember, Donald Trump wasn't president at all anymore, like totally wasn't president. Joe Biden had gotten inaugurated in a very legitimate inauguration after winning a very legitimate election, the safest and most secure election of all time. In fact, fake president, fake inauguration, but Donald Trump is no longer president and they still impeach him. Well, why did they do that? Oh, I remember they were going to prevent Donald Trump from ever being able to hold public office ever again, except that didn't work. So Donald Trump has always been an existential crisis. And first they tried to keep him out of the Republican Party. They tried to prevent Donald Trump from winning the Republican nomination. And when that didn't work, they tried to make sure that there's no way that Donald Trump could win the presidency. Hillary Clinton would surely be the winner. Every major media outlet in this country, in the world, said Hillary Clinton was definitely going to win because the global communists were under control. Their election fraud apparatus is in place. It is not possible for Hillary Clinton to lose. And then she lost, even with election fraud, because the apparatus just wasn't up to speed. They miscalculated. They didn't realize that so many Americans wanted Donald Trump to be president and whoops, just didn't work. 
So then Donald Trump is president and the Republicans and Democrats both participate in attempting to undermine his administration and remove him from his role as duly elected president. They spent his entire term doing that. And at the same time, there was a slow moving soft coup just underneath the surface that started before Donald Trump was elected. And we're seeing all of that play out right now in the John Durham prosecution of Igor Danchenko. But they couldn't sink him there either. They actively tried to take down an American president, no matter the cost to the American people, because Donald Trump is such an existential threat to the global communist order in full, and particularly the presence of that global communist order in the United States. And then underneath that, he is an existential threat to each and every person who has participated in propping up the global communist order in the United States in direct opposition to the good of the country and its people. And after that didn't work, they tried to impeach him over something Joe Biden was doing in Ukraine, and that didn't work. So they had a very deadly pandemic in an election year, and then they had a Black Lives Matter killing and BLM Antifa riots throughout the summer of love where rioters got caught committing crimes and then were immediately let out of jail as a favor to the same global communists in a system set up by the global communists. All of this because Donald Trump was such an existential threat. None of that dropped Trump's approval ratings enough. People didn't stop supporting Donald Trump even through all that. They thought they had it. Oh, the people will never continue supporting Donald Trump when they see how poorly he handles our pandemic. And so they throw that at him. They throw the BLM thing at him. Everybody's racist. Then they institute universal mail-in balloting and ballot harvesting and all of the rest of the election fraud apparatus, because this time they have to steal the election. No mistakes can be made. And the good thing is that nobody really likes Donald Trump anyway. So they have the election. Donald Trump gains 20% of his prior vote in 2016, 75 million votes as opposed to 63. Well, that wasn't something they expected and they didn't plan well enough. So they just shut the system down in the middle of the night and waited until about three or 4 a.m. And then they flooded hundreds of thousands of fake votes in what they called them mail-in ballots. Oh, those come in later. You guys know how the mail works. And they stole that election. They announced it on television. But did they really steal it? Well, no, because they got caught. But what are they going to do? Admit they got caught? Of course not. They got to have the TV, hold it all up. Everybody's going to attack Donald Trump. All his supporters are going to be called terrorists, going to have this insurrection, going to let the country know that nothing could ever be worse than any attempt to find out what happened in the 2020 election. Because again, existential crisis. Donald Trump is an existential crisis. The country supporting Donald Trump is an existential crisis for the global communists, the global communists in the United States and everyone else who was involved in propping it up. Corporate CEOs, media execs, cable news hosts, LeBron James, clueless fashion bloggers on Instagram. Go down the list. These people got paid to propagandize American citizens for the benefit of the global communists. 
This is an existential threat to all of them. So what do they do? Well, they thought, you know what? Despite all this, we can really enhance our election fraud apparatus. And so immediately they try to pass H.R. 1 and make all of the ways they stole the 2020 election totally legal so that they can steal them much harder. And they wanted to federalize it. They wanted to nationalize our elections. They want to take the control away from the states and make every state the same so that they can run that program in every single state. And then they never have to worry about losing again. But that didn't work. And so here we are with their system failing, their party failing, their movement failing, and everyone now seeing it, they're just under four weeks away from this midterm where they are guaranteed to lose. And then what? Honestly, then what? Are they going to expect that they can get the Republican Party back? Well, of course not. That opportunity is dead and gone. Are they going to expect that they can promote some Democrat movement, all of a sudden the Democrats will have all this momentum. Oh no, we can't deal with another four years of Donald Trump where everything is just fine, except everyone's angry on one side. Well, they already know that won't work. It didn't work from 2016 to 2020. Donald Trump gained 12 million extra voters. In that four year cycle while he was president and they all said Donald Trump was the most hated man of all time. He's Hitler. He's a white supremacist. He hates gay people. He hates trans people. He hates Mexicans, blah, blah, blah. Nope. Didn't work at all. Again, it doesn't matter what your friends say or what you think they think while they are telling everyone how bad Donald Trump is and how we have to vote for Joe Biden and how, yeah, okay, everything's really bad, but it would have been even worse if Trump was president. Just doesn't matter at all. The proof is in the fact that Donald Trump added 20% to his 2016 total while the whole narrative was Donald Trump was hated. Well, if he's so hated, how did he do it? So all of those strategies have failed and will fail. There is no chance in hell that any of those things turn around and start moving away from Donald Trump. It just simply isn't happening. So it is natural and it is obvious that they will try to create some sort of third entity, some centrist entity, a new political party that they think they can push everyone toward. And all the simpletons on our side slurping Tulsi Gabbard would be totally happy with a Liz Cheney, Tulsi Gabbard ticket in 2024, because the most important thing is unifying and everybody can unify around that. I mean, one Republican, one Democrat, both of them understand the problems with their own parties and it's two women. What could be better? Oh, I just can't stop dreaming of it. Maybe Andrew Yang will bring universal basic income into our society with Liz Cheney as president. Maybe there's a way Tulsi Gabbard could be anti-war and also pro-globalist expansion just by simply continuing the normal process of infiltration that they've used for decades. Now, like everything else, time will tell. We shall see. Maybe I'm wrong. But if you are just going to assume I'm wrong and get super excited about what you see as this new unifying movement, 
I would say that you are destined to repeat the mistakes of your past over and over and over again. So yesterday I played just a brief clip of the interview between CNN's anchor for at least a little while longer, Jake Tapper, and the illegitimate president of the United States, Joe Biden. But I didn't get too far into it because that's not what the point of me playing the segment was. But let's take a listen to this segment because Joe Biden has now found himself in a fairly significant quandary. But we should, we should, and I am uh, in the process when the, when the uh, uh, House and Senate gets back, they're going to have to, uh, there's going to be some consequences for what they've done with Russia. What kind of consequences? Menendez says suspend all arms sales. Is that something you'd consider? I'm not going to get into what I'd consider and what I have in mind, but there will be, there will be consequences. Now, what is Joe Biden talking about here? He's talking about consequences for Saudi Arabia for not doing what Joe Biden wanted them to do. This is from Reuters on Tuesday. Biden vows consequences for Saudi Arabia after OPEC plus decision. President Joe Biden pledged on Tuesday there will be consequences for U.S. relations with Saudi Arabia after OPEC plus announced last week that it would cut its oil production target over U.S. objections. His announcement came a day after powerful Democratic Senator Bob Menendez, a chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, said the United States must immediately freeze all cooperation with Saudi Arabia, including arms sales. Biden, in an interview with CNN's Jake Tapper, would not discuss what options he was considering. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said a policy review would be conducted, but gave no timeline for action or information on who would lead the reevaluation. The United States will be watching the situation closely over the coming weeks and months, she said. Saudi Foreign Minister Prince Faisal bin Farhan said the OPEC plus decision was purely economic and was taken unanimously by its member states. OPEC plus members acted responsibly and took the appropriate decision, Prince Faisal told the Al Arabiya television channel. OPEC plus, the oil producer group comprising the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries, plus allies including Russia announced the production target after weeks of lobbying by U.S. officials against such a move. The United States accused Saudi Arabia of kowtowing to Russia, which objects to a Western cap on the price of Russian oil in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. U.S. officials had been quietly trying to pursue its biggest Arab partner to abandon the idea of a production cut, but Saudi Arabia's de facto ruler, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, was not swayed. Bin Salman and Biden clashed during Biden's visit to Jeddah in July over the death in 2018 of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. So Joe Biden, regarding the Khashoggi thing, has expressed that Mohammed bin Salman is a brutal murderer, essentially. And then he began begging him for oil and begging him to do things that would benefit the United States and not Russia. And Saudi Arabia, knowing that Joe Biden is an illegitimate and fake president with absolutely no power or leverage, told Joe Biden to kick rocks because 
It's important to remember that what actually matters isn't the power of the media. It's the power of actual power. And that's something Saudi Arabia has. And that's something Russia has. And that's something China has. Russia and Saudi Arabia dominate energy markets. They have resources, things that people actually need. Whereas the global communists have a narrative and the media and then massive corruption operations like terrorism and drug trafficking cartels and human trafficking and blackmail and biological threats. But if you take all those things off the board, as sovereign nations around the world are doing, then they don't have a whole lot else. So it's bad enough that Biden is being exposed as an incredibly astoundingly weak world leader, but his problems actually go much further. And Saudi Arabia released a statement about all of this last night. It reads as follows. An official at the foreign ministry in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia stated that the government of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia has viewed the statements issued about the kingdom following the OPEC plus decision announced on October 5th, 2022, which have described the decision as the kingdom taking sides in international conflicts and that it was politically motived against the United States of America. The government of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia would first like to express its total rejection of these statements that are not based on facts and which are based on portraying the OPEC plus decision out of its purely economic context. The decision was taken unanimously by all member states of the OPEC plus group. The kingdom affirms that the outcomes of the OPEC plus meetings are adopted through consensus among member states and that they are not based on the unilateral decision by a single country. These outcomes are based purely on economic considerations that take into account maintaining balance of supply and demand in the oil markets, as well as aim to limit volatility that does not serve the interests of consumers and producers, as has always been the case within OPEC+. The OPEC Plus group makes its decisions independently in accordance with established independent practices followed by the international organizations. The government of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia would also like to clarify that based on its belief in the importance of dialogue and exchange of views with its allies and partners outside the OPEC plus group regarding the situation in the oil markets, the government of the kingdom clarified through its continuous consultation with the U.S. administration that all economic analyses indicate that postponing the OPEC plus decision for a month, according to what has been suggested, would have had negative economic consequences. The government of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia affirms that any attempts to distort the facts about the kingdom's position regarding the crisis in Ukraine are unfortunate and will not change the kingdom's principled position, including its vote to support U.N. resolutions regarding the Russia-Ukrainian crisis based on the kingdom's position on the importance for all countries to adhere to the United Nations Charter, principles of international law and the kingdom's rejection of any infringement on the sovereignty of countries over their territories. The kingdom stresses 
that while it strives to preserve the strength of its relations with all friendly countries, it affirms its rejection of any dictates, actions or efforts to distort its noble objectives to protect the global economy from oil market volatility. Resolving economic challenges requires the establishment of a non-politicized constructive dialogue and to wisely and rationally consider what serves the interests of all countries. The kingdom affirms that it views its relationship with the United States of America as a strategic one that serves the common interests of both countries. The kingdom also stresses the importance of building on the solid pillars upon which the Saudi-U.S. relationship had stood over the past eight decades. These pillars include mutual respect, enhancing common interests, actively contributing to preserve regional and international peace and security, countering terrorism and extremism, and achieving prosperity for the peoples of the region. So Saudi Arabia, through this statement, is making it clear that the OPEC plus decision was not only not a Saudi Arabia decision, it was a unanimous decision, but that politics are not allowed to play a part in those decisions. Now, whether they do or not is an entirely separate issue, but they're making the point that they would not be forced to make a political decision here to delay their production cuts until after the U.S. midterms. That is what Joe Biden wanted. It has nothing to do with support for Russia and Ukraine. Joe Biden was over there to make threats. Joe Biden was over there to execute a quid pro quo, much like the one Joe Biden executed in Ukraine when he got the prosecutor fired. He threatened to withhold U.S. aid until the man was fired. And as Joe said, well, son of a bitch, he was fired. Here is the New York Post from this morning. White House cops to pushing Saudi Arabia to postpone oil cuts until after midterms. The Biden administration admitted Thursday that it had asked Saudi Arabia to delay the OPEC plus vote to cut oil production until the cartel's next meeting after the midterm elections. We presented Saudi Arabia with analysis to show that there was no market basis to cut production targets and that they could easily wait for the next OPEC meeting to see how things developed. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said in a statement, the Riyadh led group of oil producers next meeting is scheduled for December 4th, according to the OPEC website. So actually, they wanted them to delay it for two months. Kirby also alleged that other OPEC member nations communicated to us privately that they also disagreed with the Saudi decision, but felt coerced to support Saudi's direction. Well, not according to Saudi Arabia. So who do we believe? Saudi Arabia or the people who literally lie about everything all the time? The White House was responding to a Wednesday night statement from the Saudi foreign ministry, hitting back at Washington's accusation that it had taken sides with Russia in Moscow's war against Ukraine. The ministry insisted the move by OPEC plus to reduce production by two million barrels per day beginning next month was made in a purely economic context. Riyadh added that it had made clear to the White House that all economic analyses indicated that postponing the OPEC plus decision for another month according to what has been suggested, would have had negative economic consequences. 
The Saudis also insisted that the production reduction, which is expected to raise gas prices in the U.S., was made through a consensus among member states. And so there we have it. The fake administration is faced with gas prices skyrocketing once again. They drained our strategic petroleum reserve to affect gas prices a little bit for a short amount of time, hoping that that would take them through the election. And they have failed once again. Things have not gone according to plan for the global communists once again. And as much as it sucks to see gas prices going back up, that's what we are dealing with. And the administration, the fake administration, has no power to change it because countries with real power don't respect corrupt old demented fools with no power. Again, it's important to remember that there's not a single time in the last two years where world leaders have ever believed that Joe Biden was legitimately elected. They know how the game is played. They know that other world leaders are put in place by the global communists through their election fraud apparatus that does in fact exist worldwide. Vladimir Putin and Mohammed bin Salman don't get their intelligence from CNN. So Joe Biden tried to use his illegitimate power. He made threats. And what he proposed was a quid pro quo. You know, the thing Trump was impeached for. The only difference is that Trump's thing didn't actually happen. And they knew it didn't happen when they impeached him. It was proven that it didn't happen through the impeachment. And the truth is there was exculpatory evidence on Hunter Biden's laptop the entire time that the FBI had access to the entire time. But where is Blue Anon? Where is never Trump? Where are all the very principled Democrats? They could never, ever abide a quid pro quo, putting our country's vital national interests up for sale for the benefit of a particular political party in their negotiations with another country. They would never do anything like this for political advantage, especially not right before an election. Blue and on, never Trump. They don't care at all. They are busy watching the January 6th television show. They're all over Twitter quoting Liz Cheney. And by the way, it's brilliant. They're getting blown up, absolutely obliterated in their mentions because not even the Twitter bots can support this stuff anymore. The truth, of course, is that they don't care about the quid pro quo now because it would have served their interests and they didn't care about the quid pro quo then what they thought they could use it to serve their interests. These people are totally unprincipled. And quite obviously have no problem with lying. But since we've established that a quid pro quo is worthy of impeachment, the White House, while admitting the quid pro quo, is also forced to deny the quid pro quo. So here's Brian Deese on television this morning. Brian Deese, you might remember, is a illegitimate administration advisor who made himself famous a couple months back for discussing the liberal world order and how focused the fake administration is on protecting it. 
Other people are very worried about this. You've drained the SPR to its lowest level in four decades. There's some accusation that you're using, you're putting the polls before America's energy security. Brian, the Saudis themselves said this morning that the US requested a one-month delay to the OPEC plus output. I wonder why that would be. Brian, can you tell me whether you did ask the Saudis for a one-month delay to that decision? Are they telling the truth? Look, we clearly we clearly communicated our views to OPEC members that we thought it was short-sighted to, for them to take uh, the action that they were contemplating and they announced. With respect to the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, this was a calibrated decision to address the real issues in the market. We talked to U.S. industry last winter. We identified that there was about a million barrel a day gap between what they were producing this winter and what they said that they could get production to by late this fall. That million barrel gap was what we calibrated to make the decision on the use of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And people should feel confident that the Strategic Petroleum Reserve continues to be an asset that we can deploy to address our economic and national security needs. That's always what has dictated the President's decision making on this, and that's what uh, will dictate his decision making on this going forward. Brian, you didn't answer the question, so I'm going to ask it again. I'm going to share with you and share with our audience the quote from the Saudis this morning. The government of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia would like to clarify that based on its belief in the importance of dialogue and exchange of views with its allies and partners outside of OPEC Plus regarding the situation in the oil markets, the government of the Kingdom clarified through its continuous consultation with the US administration that all economic analyses indicate that postponing the OPEC Plus decision for a month, according to what has been suggested, would have had negative economic consequences. Brian, again, it's a really straight question. Did you ask the Saudis to delay that decision for a month. Are they telling the truth or not? Look, I'm not going to. I'm not going to to uh, get on, on on air and disclose private conversations that well, members it's not of our private. administration have. The Saudis have shared it with us. With You've got the opportunity to say it's true or not. Is it true or not? What I will say. What I will say. What I will say clearly, is that the communications that we've had with OPEC members and continuing have been based on our assessment of the economic circumstances of supply and demand in global oil. So the Saudis have said clearly that there absolutely was a proposed quid pro quo and the illegitimate administration wanted them to delay their decision so that gas prices would be unaffected until after the midterms because they know that they will be punished for the gas prices because they caused the problem. It's also worth noting that if the fake administration, if The Democrat Communist Party and their uniparty enablers believed there was any chance that Republicans weren't going to absolutely dominate the midterms. They wouldn't need to be embracing this sort of exposure overseas. The fact that they're doing this indicates how weak their position is going into the midterms. These people are in control of absolutely nothing. This is from today in America First Legal. Internal State Department memorandum reveals the Biden administration's radical plans to centralize power and destroy the U.S. economy in the name of climate change. America First Legal has obtained an internal State Department memorandum exposing the Biden administration's radical plan to centralize power, reshape the economy and devastate America's middle class in the name of climate change. The memorandum dated October 1st was apparently sent to every U.S. diplomatic post worldwide in advance of the 27th U.N. climate change conference 
COP27, in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, on November 7th. Notably, it confirms that the Inflation Reduction Act was never about inflation. In truth, the Biden administration lied to the American people, pretending to fight inflation while enacting a radical climate change measure targeting every sector of the U.S. economy. And they are quoting from the memorandum here. The Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 is the largest step forward ever taken on climate policy in the United States. And that's weird because in the run up to that, in the run up to their passing of that legislation, they never sold it as the largest step forward ever taken on climate policy. In the aftermath, they said that they were going to build charging stations all around the country for electric vehicles. But this is something else entirely. We were told that thing was going to reduce inflation, you know, right in the name, the Inflation Reduction Act. Together with other actions the administration is taking, the law positions the United States to achieve our own NDC, reducing emissions 50 to 52 percent below 2005 levels in 2030. Ooh, wow. President Biden's goal of reaching net zero emissions no later than 2050 and thereby also our ability to convince other countries to increase their ambition and accelerate their implementation in line with the Glasgow Declaration. The act will save families $500 each year on energy costs. Sure it will. That's just like reducing inflation, by the way, or so we were told. They did tell us that. We're going to reduce your energy costs, and that eventually somehow will reduce inflation. And it creates good jobs across the country while increasing our energy security and advancing environmental justice, which, as you know, is not a real thing. The IRA is projected to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by about one gigaton in 2030, 10 times larger than those generated by any other U.S. legislation ever enacted, with emissions reductions coming from every sector of the U.S. economy. America First Legal goes on. On the pretext of adaptation, the Biden administration is centralizing federal government authority and spending hundreds of billions of direct and indirect taxpayer dollars. The reference from the memo. While we act to mitigate warming, we must also act to adapt to a hotter world now and in the future. Adaptation must be at the core of our climate planning. If we are to save lives and livelihoods from climate change impacts, we can no longer avoid. For example, in Africa, with some of the world's fastest growing populations and economies, yet with some of the most vulnerable countries, adaptation means lives saved, jobs created, and common sense. At COP26, President Biden launched his president's emergency plan for adaptation and resilience. Oh, it was called prepare and committed to working with Congress to provide $3 billion annually in adaptation finance for prepare by 2024, which would be a six-fold increase from the highest historical funding level. So all of our money goes to prepare. Prepare is a whole-of-government effort, mobilizing 18 U.S. federal agencies to accelerate adaptation action and support in line with the prepare action plan. The prepare action plan is now available online. Prepare will help more than half a billion people in developing countries adapt to and manage 
the impacts of climate change this decade. So they're going to get all this money so that they can start little climate change projects. And that's going to manage the impact. Now, have their climate change projects been successful in managing the impact anywhere in the world? No. Has there been an impact anywhere in the world that needs managing? Also, no. The Biden administration's budget reflects a quadrupling of climate finance, keeping us on track to a sixfold increase in adaptation finance and working to meet the hundred billion dollar mobilization goal. And this is America first legal right now. U.S. diplomats must encourage climate ambition, a code for ever increasing government command and control. They cite this sentence. We want to work with you to identify ways we can support the implementation of your clean energy and climate targets and even greater climate ambition over time. Got to help those other countries get green. U.S. diplomats must push other countries to spend more money, climate proof infrastructure and water resources and use inclusive gender responsive approaches. The memo says. We are helping people, communities, and countries anticipate, prepare for, and adapt to climate impacts through inclusive, gender-responsive approaches. This work strengthens adaptive capacity and harnesses the robust evidence that adaptation can save lives, reduce food and water insecurity, safeguard ecosystem services and livelihoods, and improve health, education, and well-being outcomes. Well, that's kind of weird. Isn't it supposed to reduce the ability of the sun to keep attacking the earth? Aren't they saving the entire planet? Oh, no. They're using inclusive, gender responsive approaches. It's almost like everything they try to sell the public so that they can get all the money and all the power is then justified through every other piece of their agenda so that they can take that big pot of money and direct it wherever they want to continue implementing their agenda. But that can't be it. That's a conspiracy theory. It's not the exact system that they've prepared and are happy to tell you about. And America First Legal finishes off. The Biden administration has lied to the American people to achieve its radical plans for centralizing power and controlling our economy. AFL will continue working to expose the truth and to protect our economic and political freedom. So you see the system at work. You see the agenda in place. You see the communist order doing what the communist order does. They're pushing for more communism and you can see how they do it. This is how they do it. They pass a piece of legislation passing quotes called the Inflation Reduction Act that does absolutely nothing to reduce inflation. And rather, it's their biggest climate change policy ever. And this doesn't even count the carbon trading market they're creating. This is just a system of corruption whereby they siphon off taxpayer money and ship it to their partner organizations and allies around the world in order to further implement the agenda. We are building with our tax dollars the Western half, the Chinese Communist Party's Belt and Road Initiative. We are doing our part. The Chinese Communist Party is part of the global communist order. But remember, there are factions. 
Can't just say China is part of that. It's important to note that the Chinese Communist Party is part of that. And Joe Biden, as a fully owned subsidiary of the Chinese Communist Party, is doing whatever his illegitimate administration can do to support our part of that same global effort. We are building up infrastructure in other countries so that we own those countries and their resources and the productivity of their people. And it's being sold to us on the basis that all of this is going to save the planet from the sun. This is only corruption. This is only the system that the global communists have created. And of course, that's not the only type of corruption. We have Biden trying to manipulate Saudi Arabia and OPEC into delaying a decision about oil markets so that the Democrats don't look bad before the midterms. That is corruption. That is a quid pro quo. That is an illegitimate administration acting in a way that is opposite to the needs and desires of the people they are supposed to be representing, which are the American people. And do they care? Of course not. Not at all. Not only do they not care, they are fully invested in the success of that system. That's why they're doing all of this. That's why they're so scared to see the system and their power falling away. But it is falling away. And the last thing we need to do is send them a lifeboat as their ship is sinking in the name of unifying with people who've continuously made it clear that they don't care about us at all. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app, and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!